Approaching from the sky. Radio contact has been attempted but cannot be established. Instructions are to prepare for an attack by an unknown enemy. Oh. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. It definitely means a lot to me. So it finally happened. The inevitable happened. And that is Donovan Mitchell gets traded out of Utah. Now, what didn't happen is what most people, probably including Donovan Mitchell, expected. You see, most people, including myself, expected Donovan Mitchell to end up with the New York Knicks. Um, that was the team that was building up the most steam. I know we heard reports of, you know, Washington and and other teams were in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. But the team that was more prevalent, the team that we heard most was the New York Knicks. <laughs> and as we sit here today, Donovan Mitchell has been traded. To the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> oh, boy. To the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I will say this. Boy, Danny Ainge, man, he is... He he has to be in the Hall of Fame for most finesse, man. In return, the Cavs or the, the, the Jazz receive Lloyd Marketing, OG Abaji. Colin Sexton, who they then signed to a contract extension, they get three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps for Donovan Mitchell. Now, talent-wise, the Cleveland Cavaliers would have, I mean, no, the, the Utah Jazz would have gotten more from New York than they did from Cleveland. I think they were talking about OG no, um, Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett, uh, Mitchell Robinson, and some draft picks. But once that that deal fell through, they went to Cleveland. You see, value is different for different people, different teams. You see, you have to, in order to ask yourself who won this trade. I think both both teams won the trade. When we talk about Cleveland Cavaliers and when we talk about Lori, uh, when we talk about the Utah Jazz, you see, I think Utah Jazz won the trade. Yes, they traded their two all stars in one offseason. But what was their goal? What is their goal? Their goal is to tank at this point. They're trying to get Victor, the dude from overseas, who is killing it overseas right now and looks like a sure thing number one overall pick next year so they're tanking and in order to tank your team has to be bad you can't have a good team like there's a point where your talent supersedes everything so you have to have a bad team because if you have a good team you might mess around and accidentally win games you're not supposed to win so what they're doing, they're they're trading away their pieces, they're trading away their assets, they're trading away their best players, i.e. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. And they're getting a lot of capital. See, this is what happened with the Boston Celtics. 
Boston Celtics a while ago when they traded Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, uh, that that regime, they traded him and they were bad for a good couple years. But then because of that trade, you get players like Jalen Brown, you get players like um, Marcus Smart, you get players like Jason Tatum. And now, hell, you just made it to the NBA Finals. So what the Utah Jazz are doing, they're playing the long game. They're playing the long game and Danny Ainge has a history of turning nothing into something. So that's what they're banking on. And with the amount of draft picks that they got from for Rudy Gobert and for Donovan Mitchell, I don't see them <laughs> I see them good in the next few years. I mean, hell, Colin Sex is an okay player. We need to see what Ochi uh Abaji is. Lori Market is an okay player. And the haul that they got for um Rudy Gobert, that's that's gonna that's gonna pan out. So in the sense of, yeah, it's tough losing two all-stars or or sending out two all-stars in one offseason. But when you look at what they're trying to do, what the what the New York I mean what the Utah Jazz are trying to do, then yeah, you understand it. Now for Cleveland. I think it's a win because you get a premier player. I think that the discussion can be had about how good said player is, which is Donovan Mitchell, but you get a premier player. You get a player that will definitely elevate your team. Now, you know, in the backcourt, you didn't really have to give up much. You still have Darius Garland. You still have Evan Mobley. You still have um, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. <laughs> this, this team is going to be extremely good. Now, I hear people saying top two, top top three in the East – I don't know about that because we still need to see what Brooklyn looks like. We still need to see what the Sixers look like. We still need to see what uh, uh, the Bucks look like, Boston. I don't know about that, but I, they do. I think that they have a young team, and if they're able to keep this team together, they will be viable in the next few years. Again, Donovan Mitchell is not that old. Colin Sexton is not that I mean, not Colin Sexton. Uh, Darius Garland is not that old. Evan Mobley was just a rookie last year, so – I think that you get what you you get what you want. You get that that quote unquote impact player that can put you to new heights. Not saying over the top, but to new heights. Because I think well, one thing I need to, uh, and I've talked about this from time and time again. But one thing we need to be honest about is how good Donovan Mitchell is. I've said this time and time again, so I'm not going to elaborate, but. Donovan Mitchell, to me, if he is your best player, which it kind of feels like he is the best player for Cleveland right now, you're not a championship team. While, yes, Cleveland is going to be good with the pieces that they have and the coach that they have, and now with Donovan Mitchell, they're going to be very good. Do not get me wrong. They are going to be a good team. They're going to be an exciting team. They're going to be a fun team. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a good team. But I don't. I don't I don't peg them as a championship team. And and that's no offense to Donovan Mitchell. That just is what it is. Again, we saw Donovan Mitchell be the best player for Utah for years. And they didn't do much when it got to the playoffs. Now, yes, I understand you're playing with players that kind of lack offensive skills, but even still, I I think, you know, it's it's going to be 
it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch Donovan Mitchell. It's going to be fun to watch this this Cleveland Cavaliers team and, and see how that backcourt of, of Darius Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell do. I do think it's a small backcourt, but that's a – I mean, both players average more than 20-plus points a game. It's going to be exciting. But <laughs> let's talk about the Knicks for a second, man. First and foremost – the Knicks thought that they had a deal going. I think they were trying to play. I think they were like trying to hold out because they didn't think that the market for Donovan Mitchell was as lucrative as the Jazz wanted it to be and the Jazz thought it was going to be. So what the Knicks did was they held out and said, you know what, this is the deal we have. You're not going to get a better deal than this. So we'll just wait. And boy, and costly what it was. See, again, it goes back to value. Donovan Mitchell's value would have been astronomical in New York. He already has ties in New York. He thought he was going to New York. Most people thought he was going to New York. We talked about it last episode. Stephen A. Smith said it too. The last time... New York had a star was Carmelo Anthony. And while no, Donovan Mitchell going to New York wouldn't have propelled them to championship status. They may not have even made the playoffs. Maybe, but I think they might have been like the Charlotte range or or, or you know, those type of teams. So they might have. But the New New York wouldn't have got – They I don't think that they – they don't expect to for Donovan Mitchell to bring them to the championship. But it, it, it gives you a star to wrap your hand, wrap your arms around, which, like has been stated, they have not had since Carmelo Anthony. What's even worse is Donovan Mitchell wanted to go there. It's just – it's it's just a sign of poor negotiating skills. You think you think nobody wanted Donovan Mitchell? Now, I don't think anybody was gonna give seven, eight draft picks for Donovan Mitchell. But you think that they thought that nobody was gonna get Donovan Mitchell but them? Donovan Mitchell. Again, I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell is the best. I am one of the people that still I have truthful eyes when we look at Donovan Mitchell. And while he's a great player, I don't think he can be a championship level player if he's your best player. But it's just now the Knicks go in. Yeah, again, even if they would have had Donovan Mitchell, uh, I mean, even if they got Donovan Mitchell, you would have had Donovan Mitchell with Jalen Brunson. Uh, you maybe will be able to keep R.J. Barrett. You probably would have to give up Obi Toppin. Probably would have to give up Emmanuel quickly uh, and a couple draft picks. But look at that team: Obi Top. I mean, no, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson. Um, what's his name? Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. Like these are. I'm just saying, man. Now you look up today bro and 
I guess Jalen Brunson's cool, but he's not Donovan Mitchell. And now you're going to go into another season. What? I, and, and trust me, I understand the feeling. Let me not let me not talk. Let me not act like I'm talking down on Knicks fans because I'm not shit. I'm a Washington fan. So I know what it's like going into a season not expecting to play in the playoffs. I know that feeling. I I also know the feeling of having irrational hope. Uh, as to well if this works, if this works, if this works, then this is gonna work. No. It almost never happens. The problem with the Knicks are they had opportunities. They had an opportunity to get uh, Kyrie Irving. They had an opportunity to get Carmelo Anthony. I mean, not Carmelo Anthony, uh, Kevin Durant. They had an opportunity to get Donovan Mitchell. And now you look up today, and they had, not only do they not have any of the three, what they got instead, they had, t- they had an opportunity to get Car- uh, Kevin Durant, and ended up getting Taj Gibson. Who, by the way, is on the Wizards right now. You have Donovan, you had an opportunity to get Donovan Mitchell. You had an opportunity to get that star that wanted to play for your organization. And you look up today and you have Jalen Brunson, who's a good pick. You have you sign RJ Barrett to the extension. You sign Mitchell Robinson to the extension. Those are cool young players. You have Julius Randle, who was the most improved player, what, a year or two ago. So that that works for you. But, I mean, people are pretty much done with Julius Randle. <laughs> people hate that man. It's crazy. I don't know, man. It, it just, when you have a deal on the table, especially... Or when you have a player and and a deal that's kind of heavy in your favor as far as getting done because everything the player in the deal wants to go here and you still don't close it. I don't know, man. And again, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think it's good. You know, uh, you get Donovan Mitchell, you get the player. I think that they're going to be exciting to watch. I think they're going to be good. I'm not going to go as far as to say top three or top four in the in the East because there's still teams like people forget. Even though the we eat the East, even though the East is not as strong as the West as far as all the teams looking at it, but the top of the East, like I said, you have the Bucks, you have the Sixers, you have Brooklyn. You know, I I, I do think that. I think that they can vibe for maybe the Chicago Bulls, Charlotte Hornets, those type teams. You know what I mean? And I I don't think that they're a championship caliber team right now. I do think maybe if because, again, it's still it's still a young team. If they get older and and they stay together, then maybe the Cleveland Cavaliers have something to say Uh, because they have some really good pieces. I just don't think this move propels them to championship status all of a sudden. But I do think I will. I'm not going to. I know it sounds like hate, but I'm not hating on Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell does make this team that's in the Cleveland Cavaliers better, a lot better. I just don't, you know, that's what I'm saying. And Utah, you know what they're doing. We get what they're doing. They're tanking. They're tanking. So, and they're they're aggressively tanking. 
<laughs> but they just they just signed Colin Sexton to a four year, seventy two million dollar signing trade. They're tanking. They're 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 trying to get Victor. They're they're tanking. They're tanking. So with that mindset, you understand what's happening and you you know what's going on. So of course they're gonna give up Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell in the same summer. So so yeah, let's let's move forward, man. You know what I'm starting to I think the theme of this episode is going to be precedent. Setting precedents. And why it's so important when you have the power to do so, to do it. So Russell Wilson uh, gets a $247 million extension, $165 million guaranteed. We knew that was going to happen when when you when Denver gave up all those all that asset all the future capital to get Russell Wilson. You knew they had to sign the extension, and you, we just didn't know it was going to be this off season or the next. But you knew that all, uh, an extension was coming, just just because of just how the sheer amount that they gave up to get Russell Wilson. And I think Russell Wilson deserves it. A, a lot of people. I think the last year to really put a bad taste in people's mouths of Russell Wilson, not saying he was bad, but we remember how good he was until the injury. Then I think he came back too fast and, and you know, he just didn't have the best season after that last year. And then we, you know, we know about just how bad Seattle was and the stuff that he had to, to overcome in Seattle. But I think that he deserved the money. I mean, I think he does. He's all he's worth all of two hundred and forty five million dollars, especially for a franchise that has been the void of a quarterback since what John Elway. <laughs> That's the, you know, I think he deserves it. But here's why I say precedence and how important it is. So he gets $165 million guaranteed and GMs and front offices everywhere and or most front offices think that this is a win for them because they feel, you know, when you, when you look at Deshaun Watson's contract and he gets like 240 or $250 million fully guaranteed. They think that they think of that as a loss. Now, that Deshaun Watson deal is, you know, we're not going to talk about the the off the field stuff. But what I want to focus on is the guaranteed part. One of the biggest reasons why Lamar Jackson is holding out right now, or Lamar Jackson still hasn't signed his contract, is because he feels he is worth. The entire contract, like two hundred and whatever, fifty million dollars, fully guaranteed, and he is. You see, in the in the United States, as a whole, we accept things that we really shouldn't be accepting, but because it's just a way of life, because of just what it is, we accept it. Like, what the hell is interest rate, bro? 
I should the money that you you lend me it should be the amount of money that you get back credit cards loan offices whatever it is the money that you loan me is the amount of money that you should expect back not more but because we're so used to whatever the hell the interest rate is then we expect if i get money from x they're going to expect this amount which is not the amount that they got that they gave me free health care or health care not being free insurance not covering everything like how do you how does car insurance cover automobile accidents but they don't cover if the if if somebody hits you no they they cover repairs but they won't cover it if you weren't in an accident like if your engine just breaks down they won't cover that but they'll cover it if you get smashed into you see we accept things here that just shouldn't be accepted but because it just what it is because a president has been set we accept it for that's just how that's just how it works you see these quarterbacks these nfl players don't expect fully guaranteed contracts because the the pres- they just doesn't happen the 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 kurt cousins the um deshaun watson those are those are outliers nfl players don't expect don't go into they want fully guaranteed contracts but going into negotiations they don't expect to get it that and that to me is the weirdest concept in my opinion what the hell is a 245 million dollar contract with 165 million dollars guaranteed then why the hell are you calling it a 245 million dollar contract when i'm guaranteed whether i play or not 165 of it which means that the other what damn near 100 like 85 million dollars is it's incentive base which by the way there's a possibility that you don't hit those incentives i remember one incentive justin justin tuck uh just a couple years ago he had to get like 50 sacks to get like a hundred million or to get like a a million dollars or something and i think he or not 50 sacks i think like 50 tackles or something and i think he got like 48 so he didn't get the million dollars what i'm saying is bro i under look do you understand how much money these players make these for organizations? Do you understand how much money Russell Wilson's presence is making for the Denver Broncos? Do you understand how much money Lamar Jackson's presence makes for the Baltimore Ravens? Do you understand how much money Aaron Rodgers' presence makes for Green Bay? Yet and still, players are accepting non-fully guaranteed contracts and because this has been this president has been set owners can do this which is why they think of this as a win and they think of what the the deshaun watson deal and the kurt cousins deals as fail as losses yes 
Football is the most physical sport. And even practices are hard. I've said this. Practices are hard. We just heard like two players last week tear their ACLs in practice. Hell, the Ravens, <laughs> the Ravens mascot got hurt. I understand football is an aggressive sport, and in in an unpredictable sport, and you can you can one play and you're done. But. These players make these organizations millions. Yeah. I understand the possibilities. But so do these owners. What what do you think is a bigger possibility? Russell Will and knock on wood. Russell Wilson going out there with a $245 million contract and blowing his knee and never playing again. Or Russell Wilson holding out and you lose money trotting out whoever the hell their backup is. Like you players have to understand their power. Now, yes, the media front offices, they're going to bash you. Because, again, the president has been set. But the fact of the matter is NFL players have accepted the unlikely sh- unlikelihood of getting a fully guaranteed contract is crazy to me. Seeing as though they play in the most physical sport. And as you see how much the and, and I talked about this last episode, as you see, the NFL really don't give two F's about you. Because if you see the story about Wes Welker, they're not trying to cover his medical bills for a surgery that he had to have because of playing in the NFL. Congratulations to Russell Wilson for getting your money. Congratulations for getting million contract, 165 of it guaranteed. Congratulations on that. You deserve every penny of that. But you deserve every penny of the 245, not the 165. And you know he deserves more because when the owners say this is a win, you know it. When the owners say this is a win for them, you know that means there's a loss somewhere else, and that loss is with the players. So now what they think it's going to do is it's going to reset the market. Now when you look at players like Christian Kirk getting the absorbent amount of money he's getting, and now all the wide receivers like, uh, hold on, I deserve more than Christian Kirk, and that, that throws off the market. So then now a player, a, a player of stature comes in and gets a a, 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 a team friendly deal that resets the market. When you when you see Deshaun Watson get what he gets, Kirk Cousins get what he gets, that's that that throws off the market. So now you have, you know, Kyler Murray, you have players demanding more. But then when you get a player like Russell Wilson that now doesn't get a fully guaranteed contract and gets a con- gets a contract that is more team friendly and kind of helps them. He's like, 
that's a win for us that resets the market. So now you can go to Lamar Jackson and say, look what Russell Wilson just got. You think you're better than Russell Wilson? He has a Super Bowl. He's been to two. Look what he got. But if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'd be like, you're right. I haven't been to a Super Bowl. I'm not a Super Bowl champion. However, look what Kyler Murray got. Kyler Murray's not an MVP. Look what Deshaun Watson got. All the stuff that's happening with him. Look what he got. He's not an MVP. And and if I was Lamar Jackson, I would say, yo, where would y'all be without me? Now, I know that sounds crazy and that sounds arrogant, but it's true. I would look Baltimore in the face and say, yo, y'all built this system around me. I am the system. Yeah, the defense is good, but where would y'all be without me? Y'all trying to nickel and dime me? Yeah, bro. Again, congratulations to Russell Wilson on your contract. Definitely worth it. So, moving forward, let's, uh, the last division to break down is the NFC South. Um, I'm doing a solo dolo today. Uh, so let's get it. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, <laughs> Arthur Smith, he has a... Uh, the Atlanta Falcons is not a good team. <laughs> it's not a good team. This 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 team is going to be the worst team in the division by far. And I... I the same argument that I have with black coaches... I'm going to have here, but in this in a different context, what I mean. You see, black coaches usually go into organizations that are in rebuilds, that the roster's not good, and they have an unfair timeline that they that they need to get everything right. Either their quarterback sucks, the team sucks as a whole. There's a lot of things that fr- that management and front office isn't really allowing them to do, and they have an unrealistic timetable to get everything straight. The same thing's happening with Arthur Smith. The difference is he does not have that unreal timetable. Nobody's looking at Arthur Smith like he's on the hot seat. Even with Matt Ryan uh, last year, they weren't that. I think they won like four or five games last year. They weren't that good. But nobody's saying Arthur Smith is, you know, second year in and he's on the hot seat. I just I just want that same courtesy given to black coaches when they inherit teams like Arthur Smith inherited with this Atlanta Falcons team. When your best player, your best player on both sides of the ball is a tight end. Now, don't get me wrong. Kyle Pitts is great. He's a great tight end. But that's, uh, yeah, Marcus Mariota's good. But compared to the quarterbacks in the division, I don't know. But, yeah, we don't have to spend much time on the Atlanta Falcons. They're not going to be good. 
They're going to be one of the worst teams. They have arguably the worst roster in the NFL. Uh, I can't name you one specialty player on the defense. Now, again, you have Marcus Mariota. You have um, – they did get Desmond Render from the from the draft. You have Kyle Pitts. I think that, you know, that's that's what they're going to lean on a lot, some packages with that. But outside of that, this team is going to be bad. This team is going to be trash. And, again, I don't think Arthur Smith's going to be on the hot seat because I think they know what they're doing as far as they know what they have, and they don't have much as far as talent-wise. Um, so, so I don't think he's on the hot seat. But this team's going to suck. This team's going to suck pretty bad this team has is going to have absolutely no resistance when it comes to like giving resistance to this division i I don't see it at all um a team however that i do see uh so the carolina panthers had a very loud offseason and allowed offseason because of the quarterback position you have sam Darnold. you brought in Baker Mayfield, both, by the way, were in the same draft class. Oh, no, number one overall picks. Um, Actually, I think they're in the same draft. Yeah. So here's the thing. This is a good roster. The offensive line is good. You have DJ Moore. You have Robbie Anderson. You have a really good defense. You have Christian McCaffrey. Hopefully, he's able to stay healthy. This roster is good. The problem with it last year was the quarterback position. They had to bring in Cam Newton because Sam Darnold just wasn't cutting it, and he, you know, he got hurt. Which right now, ironically enough, he's going into the season on IR. So that's one of the biggest differences I see with. Matt Rule and Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, he's not on the hot seat in my opinion because the team just sucks. Like there's nothing good about this about the Atlanta Falcons outside of Kyle Pitts and possibly a resurgence of Marcus Mariota. The Carolina Panthers can't say the same thing. They have a really good defense. They have a really good offense. It's just the quarterback position. Now and so I think Matt Rule is definitely on the hot seat. It kind of feels like Matt Rule's not going to be here by Seasoned in, if the Carolina Panthers don't have a good year, it, it it just doesn't it doesn't feel like that that's what's gonna happen. Now, realistically speaking, I don't. I think there's limitations at the quarterback position, and you're only as good as your quarterback. There, Baker Mayfield has limitations. Sam Darnold has limitations. Now, Sam Darnold will go on. You know, he's on IR right now, so he's going to start the season with IR. And, you know, that means it's going to be Baker Mayfield's team. But even that, you have a team. It Man, this team is going to struggle, in my opinion, because of the quarterback position, the inconsistent play that the quarterback position have. I don't think – you Baker Mayfield going from Cleveland to Carolina is just going to change much. The inconsistency is there. The 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 bad the trying to be a hero bad throws that you that just doesn't change with a, with a change of scenery, especially when we look at a coach who hasn't done the best job at the quarterback position. Now, yes, it has been Sam Darnold and Cam Newton, but or PJ Washington, I think his name is, but. It, 
I don't I don't see I don't see much success, which is why I do think that they're going they're patient. I think they have very small patience with Matt Rule right now, and so I think probably season's end, he will not be the head coach if they struggle. And looking at the looking at the NFC, let me say this: looking at the NFC, they have a good chance to make the playoffs. Not saying make the playoffs as far as winning this division, no. But I do think that they have a good chance of making the playoffs. Um, I put them in the Vikings round. I think the Vikings have a better team. Uh, Green Bay definitely has a better team. That's you know maybe maybe a wild card spot i don't know but i just i just don't see much success with baker mayfield or sam darnold as your head coach even with christian mccaffrey who by the way is like 80% of their offense which is why in my opinion he can't stay healthy cuz they use him so much it's crazy they use that man up so much, bro. It. Mm. They use him 82% of the time. Think about that, bro. And you wonder why he can't stay healthy. Yeah, you and, and he's one of the best running backs in the league. Yeah, you have DJ Moore. He's a great wide receiver. Yeah, you have... Robbie Anderson, who had a he didn't have a good season last year, but the inconsistency at quarterback, it's gonna be hard to. But and I don't see much changing with the inconsistency at quarterback now. So and and that's another thing. Baker Mayfield had a good offensive line in, in, in Cleveland. He had a good wide receiver core in Cleveland. He had uh, Juice, Ju- uh, Jarvis Landry. He had Odell Beckham Jr. He had people's jump. Like, he had a good wide receiver core and still didn't really do much. Yes, they went to the playoffs and won a playoff game, but it was against the Steelers. And no offense to the Steelers, but that offense has been shot for years. And most of their success from that game was Big Ben throwing interceptions. He threw like four of them, Jones. I don't see much success from the Panthers. I do think that if they, you know, they can win a couple games and and if they find themselves in playoff position in that wild card spot, maybe. But I, with the consistency, inconsistency at the quarterback position is tough. You're only as good as your quarterback. Let's be real here. Hell, and that's that's one of the biggest uh, talking points and and points of emphasis that we see for the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco 49ers have a championship quality roster. If you bring any of the top quarterbacks on that 49ers team, they would be the prohibited favorites to win the Super Bowl. But the reason why a lot of people don't even have them in the second round of the playoffs is because of the quarterback position, which is one of the biggest reasons why they had to bring back Jimmy G. They wanted to trade him. Again, I don't see much success um, with Carolina because of the quarterback position. So let's talk about let's talk about Tampa Bay. 
Todd Bowles is the head coach, which I do like. Bruce Arians, you know, went up to management. Todd Bowles is the head coach. I like that because a lot of people want to focus on Todd Bowles' head coaching record when he was with the Jets, but it was the Jets. So I do like that. Um, I think this team is going to struggle. I think this team is going to struggle because of look at the storyline surrounding this team just going into the playoffs. Tom Brady just reported to the team. Well, for, Tom Brady retired for 40 days, came back, just reported to the team. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's Tom Brady, so it's cool. And, and the weapons that they have, like I said, you have Chris Godwin, but he's coming off of an ACL tear. Uh, so see what happens, you know, see how he looks. You know, I know you have Mike Evans, but. Tom Brady isn't the mo- uh, Leonard Fournette, of course, but Tom Brady isn't the most isn't a mobile quarterback. So, the one thing that you're gonna need, the one thing that you're gonna need, is a solid offensive line. They don't have that. Their guards are out for the season, and you you lose Gronk, which a lot of people don't talk about how good Gronk is in pass protection and blocking. He's one of the best blocking tight ends we've ever had in the league. So you're losing three quality blockers. Now, yes, the defense is going to be good. You still have Barrett. You still have Levante David. You still have, you know, Via Vea. You, you still have good pieces. So the defense is, is going to be good. It's just I think the offense – is is going to struggle because of that offensive line. Yeah, you have Tom Brady. That's Tom Brady. I get it. But Tom Brady is still, what, 45 years old? So I don't expect him to be juking people out like Lamar Jackson. Especially with an offensive line that poor. Because of injury. Uh, I I think Todd Bowles is going to be good, though. I think he's going to be good as a coach. Um, I think their defense is going to be good. Again, when you have the, the piece that they have, they're, they're going to be good. Yeah, losing. Uh, Nadam Kinsu was big, but you still have David. You still have um, Barrett. You still have Villavea. You still have core pieces. And, and offensively, their offensive line is going to be poor, in my opinion. But, again, Tom Brady – uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You know, you, you still have those pieces. So now I do, we do need to see what Chris Godwin looks like. Uh, but I think they'll be okay. They also got Julio Jones I forgot about. We do need to see what's left in the tank for Julio Jones because he didn't look good, like, at all in Tennessee. It was He wasn't. He did get hurt again there, but – we need we do need to see what what Julio has left in the tank. So, but I don't I don't know. I I, I think I'm not gonna say struggle. Let me not. I did say that. I don't, I'm not gonna say struggle. I do think that we need to hamper expectations for the Tam, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of what we saw. One thing somebody says. Now I understand Tom Brady's the goat, but I agree with what they said. When you're hinting on retiring, or when you actually retire, usually you're not all the way in. And football is not a thing that you need to be all the way in. 
or football is not the sport where you can't be like in and out. Now, yes, I understand Tom Brady is the GOAT. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. But when you're con- <laughs> when you're contemplating retirement, retire for 40 days and come back. It doesn't really seem like you're all in. Now, yeah, this can I can be wrong. I can be drastically wrong. But this isn't really a a sport that you can just be like in and out with. You know what I mean? So I do think that we need to hamper the expectations for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But um, I like I I don't think you know uh, we'll just see how it goes. But there are some positives to the team. Again, head coach they still have good offensive weapons. Tom Brady is still you know Tom Brady. The defense is good. It's just that offensive line is big. And that, that offensive line being in shambles as it is now is big going into the season. So, And then we get to the New Orleans Saints. And I guess this is a bold prediction, but I think that this is going to be the best team in the – I think this is they're gonna, the New Orleans Saints is going to win the NFC South. And a lot of that is because of – this team, to me, this is the best, one of the best overall teams in the entire NFC. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have struggled with this, the Saints. And that's the Saints have gotten better. Like, you get Chris Olave. See what, see what James, James Winston, before he got hurt, was looking really good. Michael Thomas is coming back or is back. Again, Alvin Kamara, the offensive line is still great. You still have really good pieces on the defense. Yes, you did lose uh what's it, Johnson, but it's still you still have Tyron Matthew, you still have David like <laughs> Mario Davis, you still have George Cam Jordan, you still have Marcus Lattimore. I just think it's gonna be tough, man. It's going to be tough. And, I, I, again, the question marks for the Saints do have question marks. Like, is, De, is Dennis Allen going to be a good coach? Um, I understand he's been a coordinator and he's been there for a while. But, you know, the Saints have heard Sean Payton's voice for the longest. So how are they going to respond and how is the team going to do with now Dennis Allen as the head voice? And also, you know, what's what is uh, – there is still a, a a a hesitation, a question mark with Jameis Winston. Yes, he is coming off an injury, so that's huge. And he also has the touchdown to interception ratio, which goes crazy. But again, he 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 looked better moving. He looked better going or before he got hurt. So hopefully that can translate into into you know more success in the season. So. Um, I I do think uh, again it it also is predicated on Jameis Winston being being good, but I think that this Saints team is going to win the NFC South. I'm I'm still hesitant on to you know how far they can go in the playoffs, but I am banking on Jameis Winston being good. I'm banking on this defense being good. I'm banking on the offensive line being good. Alvin Kamara being good. Michael Thomas being good. Chris Olave being good. Like, I'm banking on that. So, 
I think the Saints are going to be the best team in this division. So, uh, what is your opinion on the division? Wh- who do you think is going to win it? it? Do you think it's controversial that I think the Saints are going to win? Uh, let me know what you think. So, move forward. And, again, college bas- college football is back. We just had Purdue play and do throwing up on my screen. It was it was a good game. Uh Oklahoma State and I forgot who they played scored like 150,000 points. But the big game, the biggest games are today, which is of course Notre Dame and Ohio State. I know Georgia plays Oregon. I don't think <laughs> I think Oregon might get the doors blown off them. So Pac-12 defenses are not SEC defenses. And I think Oregon will learn that fast. So, But I do want to talk about this uh, Ohio State-Notre Dame game a little bit. Um, the, the, the stat is there has not been a team that has lost week one there hasn't been a team to go on to that. Like, if you lost, you do not make the college football playoffs. And I think that this game is monumental for Notre Dame. Notre Dame is, I think, 17-point underdogs, I believe, Um you're going up against possibly the highest or the Heisman favorite in CJ Stroud. You have a new head coach, uh, Notre Dame does, and Marcus Freeman, who is young. I think he's like 36 or something. I think if Ohio State loses this game, because they still have huge games on the record, they still have Michigan, they still have Michigan State. I think that Ohio State can make the playoffs. If they win this or lose this and then like win out, I think that they they'll, they'll still make the playoffs. Notre Dame, however, I think if Notre Dame loses this, they're not. There's no chance because I think this is the toughest. This is the toughest. Um, this is the toughest opponent. Let me let me check their schedule. This is the toughest opponent they play. Yeah, so. Actually, hold on. All right, so they play Ohio State. They play Marshall, Cal, UNC. BYU is ranked by the 25th. Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse. They do have a tough one against Clemson, but we need to see what Clemson looks like on November 5th. You have Navy, Boston College, and USC. Again, we have to see what USC looks like on November 26th. So, this is the toughest opponent as far as ranking. You're playing the number two team. Now, yes, Notre Dame is ranked fifth, but you're playing the number two team in the in the nation, in Ohio State. The next, you will be playing Clemson, but again, we'll see if they still have that number four ranking in, Notre, uh, in November 5th. So, I just think that if they lose this, this, they're not making the playoffs. Not to mention, and let's let's be real here. Let's 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 be honest. Let's call it spade a spade. 
there is a there's there is a certain level of the world there's a certain level of of people that want notre dame to fail because their head coach is black marcus freeman we know the history of notre dame as far as their prestigiousness and we know that we also know the history of you know the lack of african-american coaches for notre dame football so there's a level of people that don't want to see Marcus Freeman succeed. They don't want to see a younger black coach see. They also don't want to see somebody that's an Ohio State alum succeed. That's just that's just is what it is. So I'm I, I'm rooting for Notre Dame just because of Marcus Freeman. Uh, but I do think that if Ohio State loses this game, they still because let me see something. Ohio State schedule. Yeah. If Ohio State loses this game, they still have Wisconsin. They still have Michigan State. They still have uh, Penn State. They still have Iowa. They still have Michigan. They still have Northwestern. They still – no, actually, Northwestern lost that trash game. Like, they still have teams. Like, the Big Ten is good. Um, So, yeah, I just just think that it's – if Notre Dame loses this, oh, and if they lose bad, yeah, nah, it's over with. Like, if they lose by 17 or more, it's over with. There's no chance. Unless they just – unless when they see Clemson, they're, they haven't lost again, and Clemson is, like, ranked fourth through first, and they destroy Clemson, then they might have a chance. Like, if they see Clemson on November 5th and Clemson's ranked fourth or between four and one, or one and four, and they beat the like they beat the drug they drub Clemson, then you might have a shot. But I don't see that happening, so we'll see. Uh, and there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Um, if you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Go get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. It definitely will mean a lot to me. And until next time, much love.